0: What's happening in Trans Tasman Sport? From Australia and New Zealand with Nikki, Ben, and Craig. Hello and welcome to the Quasi Sport Podcast. We have not had a podcast for a couple of weeks because of the Rugby World Cup. But as you can hear, Nikki is still in Japan. Nikki Styret, hello. (laughs) Konnichiwa. (laughs) Hello, everyone. She's still there now. Ben is back from Japan. We talked about that in the last uh, podcast. But Ben, I understand you might be a little bit hungover from watching the Rugby World Cup final last night.
1: Well, that's a that's a horrible accusation, Craig. Beautiful day here in Sydney. Feeling fantastic.
0: Yeah, it had a chat, though. Yeah, it has been a while. Every night is a celebration for you, though, Benny. Um, let's go to, um, to Nicky first. Who his is in Japan. What's the word on the streets after the Springboks win over England last night? Nikki?
2: Well, it's interesting, boys, because when you're immersed in it, and uh, Ben will know this too, uh, you know, life goes on around Tokyo. It's a a massive city. And and while the Rugby World Cup has been absolutely embraced, uh, it's sort of business as usual and the hustle and bustle of people going here, there and everywhere. But uh, what a fantastic city. And and it is only nine o'clock in the morning here. So... Uh, there hasn't been too much uh, talk yet. Um, I'm sure as the day unfolds, uh, there'll be more word about it. I certainly know that there's been a lot of uh, very sad-looking pomps wandering around the streets. Uh, may not have mm-hmm. been to sleep and still in their white, white and uh, red jerseys. So uh, that side of it is really amusing for me. <laughs> that's for sure. But
0: there would have to. Be, is there a few? Uh, were there a few all-black supporters in their black jerseys floating around as well? Oh, look,
2: absolutely, and, and that was really heartening to to us because we sort of thought that a lot of the Kiwis would have uh, thrown their toys and all headed home, but there was a massive contingency at the game, at the, at the bronze game the other night, which I thought um, was a credit to to them for sticking it out. We didn't actually have tickets for that in the first place, um, but also last night we went to a place called the Bupongi, and a very, very vibrant part of Tokyo and there were a lot of all-black supporters um, in the bars that we were at and, you know, all in their all-black jerseys, proud to, to to be wearing the silver fern and I think that that is just a testament to the fact that, you know, we're, we're Kiwis through and through and we love rugby and we all very, very much enjoyed uh, that World Cup final even though we were all rooting for South Africa. <laughs>
0: And I can't imagine you would have been mobbed at you and Scotty Styrus, the sheer wattage of the power couple in the bar must have been incredible <laughs> as they swamped you for autographs and selfies. Pats on the back it
2: was actually quite it was actually quite funny because everywhere we went it was uh, all our friends were like eye rolls because they were people would come up scottish styrofoam and of course a lot of the japanese people were sort of like oh who is this person you know he must be famous was, well famous a long time ago maybe but uh, no he definitely was recognized um and last night actually i had a couple of situations where i was sort of walking as the rugby was on, and the girl behind me said, you know a lot about rugby, and then her friend turned around and looked at, looked at her, and she goes, she's the girl on the TV at night. You know the one. So, <laughs> it's my moment in the sun.
0: <laughs> it's whether what you were saying was actually um, any good. That's the, that's the other point, but I'm only joking. Now, Benny, Well, of course you spent, it was, uh, Craig. <laughs> of course it was, yeah, of course. Of course, and it would have been very one-sided, I'd imagine, as well. Now, Benny, um, I could see from the photos that you were posting on social media... There are a lot of English supporters at the Oaks Pub in Neutral Bay in Sydney, but by the end of the night, they dissipated a bit. How was the atmosphere early in the night compared to later?
1: Mate, it was it was uh, it was excellent. Um, the place was absolutely rammed, and it's just it's been fantastic to have quality rugby in a prime time uh, in Australia. We don't get enough of it. Rugby doesn't have the foothold enough because I don't think it has enough product at the right time. So to have this great footy on when everyone's out and about, when kids can be up and watch it, uh, is excellent. It was, it was, it was, it was, there was no standing room available in the bar that I was in at the Oaks. We were literally shoulder to shoulder, um, with a hell of a lot of people, a lot of poms there, um, in full voice, uh, great atmosphere. And then just after uh, full time, you realised how many box fans there actually were in amongst them there because a lot of the white shirts left and there was a fair few green shirts dancing around and enjoying themselves.
0: So you mentioned just then that uh, that the rugby was prime time in Australia. Could you feel a shift in that people were falling back in, in love with rugby again because of the nature of the competition and what a wonderful tournament it was in Japan?
1: Absolutely, mate. I, and, you know, I've got mates who, you know, played rugby with me as a kid and, you know, used to be, you know, at the Waratahs and the Wallabies and they've drifted away into AFL or, or, you know, focused more on NRL. Cause we, we're always fans of both AFL, uh, both rugby and NRL. And, and, you know, all of a sudden the WhatsApp chats this, you know, last couple of months have been lighting up as people get the shits with the, uh, with the red or yellow cards or, or talk about the island game versus Japan or whatever it might be. There's definitely been, you know, it's come back into consciousness, I think, for a lot of Australians. Having such a wonderful tournament, um, you know, regardless of Australia's poor finish in it, uh, has meant that, you know, that product that we know is such a great game has been right there on display for everyone at the times where they can watch it and enjoy it.
0: And I can tell you, actually, being an Australian, living in New Zealand, watching the way that New Zealand fans reacted... When the All Blacks got knocked out, um, and a lot of people have been saying when we've had guests on my, my um, morning news show this week, we've had uh, All Blacks associated with the World Cups where they got knocked out early, how they had to creep back in in New Zealand, afraid to come back in they were saying that there's a, there was a maturity about the reaction from the New Zealand fans this time, uh, that they, they took it on the chin, they understood that England was simply a better team. It'll be interesting to see their reaction now, that the Springboks are world champions, having beaten them in the first round. Um, Nicky, when you get back, how are you expecting um, the All Blacks' retiring greats to be treated? I was reading in the paper today, um, one person was saying Sonny Bill Williams won't be thought of as a great... Do you think now it's just they're going to you know, shift in a new generation of rugby players? They've got a new coach coming in, a new CEO, a new captain. Is Bullitt, Are they? Are you expecting a new era for the All Blacks? Oh,
2: it, no question. Uh, and it, I guess that was always on the cards um, with Hanson, you know, uh, retiring as the as coach, and also, you know, Kieran Reid at the end of his run, Sonny Bill Williams, you mentioned him. I think Sonny Bill Williams will always be considered a great, but not just of rugby, just of sport in general. I mean, he's he's been successful at <laughs> – one of the most successful people at code hopping, and he's he is definitely a, a wonderful athlete. And I think that, you know, he has done himself proud in the All Black jersey. His impact off the bench has been second to none. So he will <clears throat> leave the sport um, – you know on a high uh it, it remains to be seen what happens to sonny bill williams now that uh, he's heading back to league isn't he so that will be uh be interesting but um uh look i think it is, it is a turn and it's time for them to rebuild and but perhaps they tried to show that a little bit um, in the bronze game by bringing some uh, new players in and they will have to build now for the next four years and I don't think there will be much talk about the coaching set up for a little bit of time yet. I think they will mull it over and you know, perhaps the people that were in line for it might not be now after the um, failure of their, I guess, of their World Cup campaign. Someone like uh, Ian Foster, will he, will he get the job? Uh, remains to be seen. I think he's still potentially the front runner. Who lines up as his assistants will be interesting. Um, you know, do they go with a Jamie Joseph who's had so much success with Japan or do they go with a, a Schmidt or, you know, um, a, a Scott Robinson? You know, it, it, that remains to be seen. I think that'll all come out in the wash over the next few months, but, um, Definitely a rebuilding time for the All Blacks. But I think world rugby is in a good place. And, uh, you know, England set the bar last week. South Africa set the bar last night. And I think we're going to see some fantastic international rugby going forward.
0: One word to you, Benny, before we actually get on to the, to the final. Uh, you, we all thought Dave Rennie was a lock for uh, Wallaby's coach. Do you think that's still the case? Well, look,
1: Craig, this is the thing. This could be incre- quite embarrassing for Rugby Australia. Now, they haven't come out officially and said anything, but they've certainly been making the noises behind the scenes. People in Rugby Australia have been talking and, people, and telling people that Rennie is a done deal. Now, if that is the case, uh, all well and good, but you've got to assume that no pen has been put to paper. And if all of a sudden there's a chance to do the All Blacks, you'd have to think that a Kiwi born and bred uh, or, or a Kiwi experienced coach um, will be wanting to go and 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 uh, take over the All Blacks, and I think uh, to Nikki's point, it's right. It's all going to be about the package that the new coach can put together. I think in terms of their assistance for the All Blacks. So it might not be whether Rennie is the man for the job, but if Rennie gets a team together um, that that uh, you know is attractive to uh, to the All Blacks um, or to the uh, All Blacks management, that's going to be super interesting. Foster is, you know, I've been reading rumours that Foster might have Joe Schmidt on side to be a part of his team, which would be very, very attractive for them. I saw on Twitter that uh, Wayne Smith's son said on Twitter that he thinks Wayne would come back and do the job with Dave Rennie. So imagine if the Dave D- Dave Rennie and Wayne Smith are getting a, a combo together. And Dave Rennie, of course, I don't think was was uh, uh, didn't have a good relationship with Steve Chu, the former CEO of of uh, New Zealand Rugby but he does have a good relationship with the guys that are in there now. So, look, Australian rugby's been talking about it, saying this is the guy behind the scenes. You know, they haven't come out with anything. Eddie says they haven't talked to him as well. So this could be a real kick in the teeth uh, for Australian rugby if they were putting all their eggs in that basket. You'd hope Castle and Klein have got themselves together in such a way that they've got a couple of options um, or they've got it locked down.
0: Incidentally, at work this week, we ran a poll. that It just went gangbusters. We had... Twenty thousand people jump onto it within um, fifteen minutes, voting on uh, what we, well, what New Zealanders wanted for their next coach. And Razor Robertson, by far, got the most votes. Until late in the week, Dave Rennie um, appeared as the most talked about name in that. Um, do you think that, you know the links with Eddie Jones? He says he hasn't been approached. Would you like to see him return as Wallabies coach?
1: Yeah, look, I I would. I mean, he's you know he's fallen at the last hurdle at the World Cup there, but I I I honestly think he is the best coach in the world at the moment. And I think you know Steve Hansen, you know, became a great coach when he when he moved to the All Blacks. He wasn't fantastic before that. Um, well, you know, he was okay. Um, coaching the All Blacks, I think, is different to taking Japan through to taking turning England around. Um, I, I think that Eddie Jones is currently the best coach in the world. I think I think he wants to come back and coach Australia at some point. He's a really you know, proud and smart guy. I think he'd love to walk back in the door um, with the keys to the team that he grew up loving. Um, whether that's going to happen is another story, but I think it's something that he would like, and I would like to see it. I, I've always said that there's too many um, good Aussie coaches out there that we haven't kept involved. You know, Michael Checker will go back overseas now. Um, Ewan McKenzie's not around. There's been too many coaches fall by the wayside in Australian rugby, and... One of the things that made the All Blacks great was when was when um, Henry Hansen and Smith, you know, put their egos aside and brought a lot of experience and talent and nous to the All Blacks, and they built a bit of a dynasty out of it.
0: I've said it before, bring back Alan Jones. Alan Jones is the man to lead the Wallabies for, uh, future, for future. Just ask him. Let's bring Nikki back in. As you can hear, she's, Nikki's sitting, I would, what I'd imagine is an upmarket, uh, cafe in Tokyo. So, Nikki, Lasso, let's get on to the final. What was the general word, uh, from the, uh, I would imagine the, uh, New Zealand-centric bar that you watched the game in last night? Deserved winners? <laughs> Oh look!
2: Absolutely, uh, South Africa did to England last night what England did to the All Blacks the week prior, and I don't think many people saw it coming. Uh, they were as blindsided as we were the week before. Uh, look, they just um, they just dominated in the scrums. I think the very first scrum of the game was uh, really indicative of what was to come. They smashed them in the forwards, and I, I mean I really thought that England you know, had a very, very good, strong forward pack But South Africa were just all over them. The energy that they brought, um, they were tactically brilliant. And they, with the dominating, England just couldn't generate quick ball as they had done against uh, New Zealand. And it's funny because the word was, you know, is this England squad sort of uh, the new benchmark for world rugby? You know, there was talk of that all week um, on Martin Devlin's show. And it, it, it was, everyone was expecting a very tight, a tight game, but but England to dominate that. and I think what it says to me is that no, perhaps England aren't the benchmark. Perhaps it's just that the the, the, the playing field is levelled out, and any team on their day, if they go in with that right top two inches, uh, and their forwards dominate and they generate good ball for their backs, they they set the bar, and I think that's what we saw last night, and uh, there was a lot of shocked people that so they pull that out because they certainly hadn't really shown it through the whole tournament. But the other thing I would say is that England, through their tournament, had to uh, pull off, what, four or five big wins to, to win that tournament last night, didn't they? Admittedly, their, their French game was cancelled because of the typhoon. But they had uh, a lot of number of tier one teams to beat. So for them to do it again last night might have just been a bridge too far and and it proved so.
0: And people were tipping Benny that they had played their final the week before against the All Blacks. Um, but you've only got to win that last game if you make it the final. Um, what do you put the Springboks win down to? Was Eddie out coached by uh, Ra- Razzie?
1: I don't think I'd I'd put it that way, and uh, and just just quietly, Nicky, some of us did tip the box uh, last night to get up over England. Uh, I was on the record with that. Um, look, I, I, not so much out coached, uh, which is you know what the one way a game can unfold, but more so I think um, to do with just you know um, Eddie knew what was coming. He knew what Razzie was clear. They knew what they were going to do, and in the end. I think what Nikki said is pro- probably more what it might be, in that that one game too far. You know, the the box had you know generally the easier side of the draw uh, that they went through. They had to play their big game there. They you know they they smashed their way through Japan. They smashed their way through Wales, and they brought a slightly more intelligent game and a bit bit more movement and width than they had previously. They brought the game that they you know they they'd used previously against the All Blacks, I think, last night. So it wasn't so much the out coaching, but the execution. The, the, the box knew what they wanted to do. The passion, the poise, everything was there for them. And England just didn't get up compared to uh, the previous week. And I think uh, you can also see the impact on teams as well. The loss of Kyle Sinclair in the third minute. He's been one of their best players. He's been one of the best players in the world this year. Uh, and he, you know, getting knocked out by, you know, friendly fire and leaving the game. Exposed their scrum a little bit. Their, their second row. People were talking about whether the England second row weren't the scrummaging second row that might have been needed when the box were putting the heat on there. But to lose a, a player who's so important to them so early in the game was a tough one.
0: Just, just didn't go their way. Um, Nicky, Now the first, well, the first time that the. All Blacks and the Springboks meet in the Rugby Championship next year. Though we say probably could be the world number one versus the world champions. It's now a game that is certainly a mouth-watering delight to look forward to.
2: Oh, definitely. And the Rugby Championship's always a, a fantastic competition. It's wonderful to see the uh, Southern Hemisphere teams... <laughs> Dominating over the Northern Hemisphere. Um, but, uh, look, I think that's also a, a different proposition. Um, you know, a year will go by, uh, there'll be, as you say, a new coaching set up. There'll be new players coming through. They'll be, they'll be rebuilding. And, um, I think also a World Cup brings out different things. Uh, you, you've got the emotion and the, the desire, the hunger to, to, to hold up that Web Alice cup. And I think that that brings out something different in teams, and that's why World Cup is always so wonderful to be at. So, of course, it'll be a great match, but I don't know that necessarily um, we can say too much about that at this point.
0: And, Benny, um, and one last question to you before we, we take a break. What then do they do now with Japan on the back of the great this great uh, tournament that they put on the success of uh, the Brave Blossoms?
1: Lots of rumours about that one, mate. That you know, this is this has given it a bit of impetus. There's talk of the Sunwolves potentially coming back to Super Rugby. There's been talk of a Japanese new uh, rugby competition that they're going to stand up. Japan's been linked to the rugby championship. (laughs) People even talk about the Six Nations. I don't know where it's going to end up, but the great thing is, we had a country of 120 million people where half the country tuned in to watch the Japanese rugby team play. They've got an enormous opportunity. World rugby has an enormous opportunity, so I hope that they're, they're finding a path forward that lets us really unlock the potential of a nation that, you know, seems to love their brave blossoms.
0: They do indeed. All right, let's take a break, and um, there's going to be plenty of goose and greats out of the Rugby World Cup. We'll take a break and find out who our team has picked. You're listening to the Quasi Sport Podcast with Nikki, Craig, and Ben. Listening to the Quasi Sport Podcast, we are on Twitter, we are on Facebook, and we are at QuasiSport.com. You're listening to Nikki Styrus, who is sitting down in an upmarket cafe in Tokyo Ben Kimber is shaking off what is left of his hangover in Sydney, and I'm sitting in the middle in Auckland. Um, ben, let's go to you first. Who is your who is your great this week?
1: Really easy one for me this week, mate. Uh, a Khaleesi, the Springbok captain, an absolute great of the game. He's a legend now. He's locked it in, not just for the the, the the rugby he's put on the park, but the way that he's conducted himself off it. The calls that he made after the game, you know, and, and you know, in hindsight, it's easy to see. But, you know, the fact that the Springboks saw themselves really playing for a nation, Whereas you know the English were playing for English rugby fans, the, you really see that difference in the way that they they finish up. See a Kalisi, you know, from a you know impoverished family, lost his mother at a young age, managed to get a, a scholarship to a school where he learned his rugby and and uh, and and forged on from there. Uh, he was asked after the uh, after the game uh, if he dreamt as a child of of moments like this of, of potentially lifting the World Cup. And his answer was, I just um, was worried about where my next meal was coming from as a child. He never thought of anything like what he has now. And then to stand up and just so simply and clearly articulate how important it is for South Africa to be unified, to, to take the message of when we do something together as a nation, we can do great things, was ab- absolutely outstanding. Th- that man's going to go down in, in South African history. And you know, for a young man who's got plenty ahead of him, he's already... Uh, showing that he's, he's quite an exceptional person. He's my great of the week.
0: Yep, hard to disagree with that. Uh, Nikki, what say thee? Who is your great this week?
2: Well, that's a hard one to beat, and I think uh, Ben's choice is, is, is fabulous, of course, so I'll, but I'll have to be a little bit different. I'm actually going to choose uh, Japan... The country of Japan is my great uh, for putting on what has been a fabulous spectacle of a world event um, and has really done the product of uh, rugby in, in the world a great service. And, and and from a number of angles, really, I mean, it, I guess because I'm here, and Ben, you'll know this, um, the way that people have embraced this World Cup uh, for a country that really rugby's not, a huge sport, um, you know, and it's, it's building, but, you know, it, it's a huge country with so much diversity and uh, other interests, and yet they've really come on board with this. When you walk around the streets, the Japanese people, they want to have photos with you and they're, they're excited and they, they want to talk to you. And I, and I think that's testament to them as, as a culture, the fact that the, the stands were full. You know, I remember going to a Cricket World Cup in, in the West Indies and they set the ticket prices too high and half the stands were empty. Uh, You didn't see that here in Japan, even in that bronze playoff match. That's Yokohama Stadium, which holds, what, 80,000 people jammed full. And I think that also is a credit because there was a lot of Japanese and local people that had gone to those games. I think the event was beautifully organised, getting to and from the games, the way um, they handled those crowds was phenomenal. And I also think that their team really, really stepped up and, and put Japan on the world rugby map and making the quarterfinals for the first time. So I think, you know, hats off 10 out of 10 to the Japanese um, rugby union, to World Rugby for having faith in Japan to hold such a wonderful event. And, you know, um, I, I hope that other countries can do just as good a job because it really was quite a spectacle.
0: Yeah, and you could even see it from our living rooms here. And the great thing for me with this World Cup is my son, Tommy, Absolutely caught the rugby bug with this one and is now all in. He got a taste of it during the uh, rugby championship and the Bledisloe Cup with the Wallabies winning. So that kind of drew him in. But the World Cup really put the cherry on top. And, um, he was asking me questions about rugby that I couldn't answer about George Gregan and Larkham and the glory days of, of the Wallabies. So it was great to see that the tournament was so successful that it brought uh, young kids in there. Um, Benny, to you, who's your great, uh, sorry, who's your goose of the week?
1: Well, I'm sticking with the rugby um, and, and for those who follow me on Twitter, you want to seen me post about this. Uh, when I uh, was a journal, a rugby journal, I toured with the 2003 England team. I spent eight weeks with that team right across Australia, all their games, training sessions, etc. And they were a fantastic bunch um, and, and you, you can see in a team when they're relaxed, I think, that they're going to be a chance. And I saw both England and South Africa as teams that were relaxed through this World Cup. But in 2003... Um, what a great bunch of fellas, all, you know, Delalio, Johnson, Greenwood, Bolshaw, all really good fellas. There was one guy who was just a bit unpleasant. Matt Dawson was not a nice fella to talk to. He just never seemed quite particularly interested in, you know, in, in being accommodating in any way, shape or form. And just not a guy that I thought was, you know, worth chasing much for a chat because, you know, he didn't seem like a particularly nice fella. And this week he is my goose of the week. Uh, and he is my goose because he's a pundit a pundit on BBC Sport and I always find it amazing how some of the least engaging guys who are players end up in the media um but apparently he's a pundit on BBC Sport and he wrote a story the day before the World Cup saying that you would pick uh if you were picking a combined Springboks England team you would pick 15 Englishmen uh, and he just said that casually like that was just you know obvious um he's got complete egg on his face but also in his story he wrote um and I couldn't believe this, that the final pass of his story, he, he mentioned what an amazing story Sia Khaleesi is coming from poverty, representing a united nation. Uh, he mentioned that and said what a superb story it was. But he said, but England also have their own motivation because they haven't won the world cup in 16 years. So he, he was comparing, <laughs> he was comparing England not having won the world cup in 16 years to the unification of a nation under, a, a, you know, their first black captain. Um, after decades uh, of of you know uh, uh, splits in the country and and you know horrific history, uh, that nation coming together was you know he said England have got their own emotional uh, motiva- motivation, having not won a cup.
0: So he is my complete goose of the week. Love a good egg on face story. Nikki, who is yours?
2: Oh hi guys, sorry. <laughs> I'm back. Um, what, what are you well, just, look, my, you just uh, got your smashed, your smashed <laughs> avocado,
0: it's <has> just arrived?
2: <laughs> <laughs> actually, I can, I can tell you a little story about that before I tell you about my Goose of the Week. We actually went to have smashed avocado and toast at this cafe that looked quite sort of Western, because uh, you know, obviously you use a lot of Japanese food when you're here, and we sat down and it was smashed avocado and toast with egg and bacon, With thought, oh, that sounds good. Well, when it came, I nearly gagged in my mouth, what they'd done is they put the Um, The avocado on the toast but then they put the bacon cold and a raw egg on the top (laughs) not cooked and we all sort of of looked at it and went oh no, oh no, 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 we can't possibly eat that (laughs) stood up, we'd already paid for it, basically walked out and went to the next cafe but anyway I've digressed, Uh, so no no smashed avocados for me this morning however, my, um, my goose of the week this week and I did struggle to actually come up with one but I think one thing that really sort of stood out to me over the last week was the amount of cocky poms that were, you know, wandering around the, the, the English press about how when fantastic they were. And they, it was almost as if they had already won the Rugby World Cup, forgetting that they still had one big game to play and, uh, just getting ahead of themselves a little bit. And you should have seen all the, the Aussie fans piling into, uh, Tokyo for, from, from England, you know, and, Ironically, um, I don't know if you saw the article and stuff about the Kiwis who had sold their tickets um, and made a sort of a uh, healthy profit. Well, we were fortunate enough to be in that same boat. We, we uh, issued our tickets um, on Monday, on, actually on the Viagogo site, which hasn't been recommended in the past. But uh, we did, and we thought we'd be cheeky and put them on for a decent price. And um, lo and behold, within 12 hours, some um, uh, four very confident POMs, we've got more money than cents, Paid, paid for them, and uh, I, I can't imagine they would have been uh, enjoying their game so much last night. They were a lot of money poorer, and uh, no rugby world cup in the bag. So uh, this week, my ghost goes to all those English rugby fans who thought they had the cup before they had the cup.
0: To be fair, they did beat the All Blacks uh, to get there, and they looked pretty good. And, and, <laughs> true, and the whole, true. It, it looked like you know Eddie was finally going to win. And I would, if I was an English fan. I would have been thinking the same, but uh, it is great to see some egg on face with them. Um, quick mention before we go, my, my great uh, of the week would have been Tonga beating the Kangaroos. Um, I would imagine, Ben, you were already downing your first schooner at the Oaks uh, while that Tonga game was being played against the Kangaroos. And, Nikki, you were already thinking about what your breakfast was going to be at that cafe you're in. I watched a game, Sea of Red, uh, at Eden Park. Uh, the Kangaroos weren't up for a Tonga were, and congratulations to them. 16-12, a seismic shift in uh, International Rugby League. Not as big as International Rugby Union, but it's getting there. Um, but speaking of getting there, we're getting out of here. Thank you for both your input. Ben, a very hungover, as you can hear by his voice, Ben Kimber in Sydney. Ben, go and have a lie down. Uh,
1: more of these accusations, unfounded, Craig, unfounded.
0: Aye, oh, slander. It's been slander
2: of plenty this morning on you, Ben.
0: <laughs> he's, he's got a voice that wouldn't sound out of place on an FN radio station. And, Nikki, you get back to your smashed avocado and your, your quailing raw on egg. Top and, and raw egg. And we, we look forward to speaking to you both next week uh, when, well, we, I guess we've only got like 10 weeks until the Super Rugby season starts, but that's rugby. Oh, Have gosh. a great week. And thanks for your input, Benny. Thanks, and thanks Teng. for your input, Nikki. Thanks, guys. Fantastic. You've been listening to the Quasi Sport
1: Podcast. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Quasi Sport Podcast.